Well, hey everyone. Great to be with you on this Easter Sunday. Got to tell you, I wasn't quite sure what to wear today. I mean, should I put on my Sunday best the way we usually do on an Easter Sunday or, or show up in my sweats or PJs the way some of you might be showing up today? Uh, as you can see, I decided to meet you in the middle. I threw on the sport coat but lost the tie. So whether you're dressed up today or in your PJs, I'm just glad you're here. I'm really excited about the message I get to share with you today. So let's get started. Good stories have good endings, right? The good guys win. The, the, the lovers get together. Uh, the dog or the cat or the fish finds its way home. I mean, think about some of your favorite movie endings. The Death Star is defeated. Rudy takes the field for Notre Dame. Voldemort disintegrates into a swirling cloud of ash. Moana restores the heart of Tefiti. The Tiger King ends up, well, never mind. I'm not sure that qualifies as a good story. But you get the idea. Good stories have good endings. Now, good doesn't have to mean happily ever after. Good means there's resolution. It ties up the loose ends, uh, the mysteries solved, the secrets revealed, the lessons learned. A good story brings a sense of satisfaction, a good ending, satisfaction, and, and even hope. So if that's the case, if good stories have good endings, then why does the Gospel of Mark end so strangely? so darkly. I mean, the kids just read it for us with great enthusiasm. But did you notice how the story ends? Did you catch the last two verses of Mark? Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. That's it. For 15 chapters, this writer named Mark tells us the remarkable story of Jesus of Nazareth, arguably the most beautiful life ever lived. There's healings and miracles and profound sayings and tender moments. And then, in, in the space of about a week, the whole thing unravels. Betrayal, rejection, arrest, flogging, a, a lonely death. And, and then he's... His body is hastily laid to rest in a borrowed tomb. So we get to chapter 16 and, and we're eager for, for, some, for some explanation, for some resolution. But all we get is, is a handful of sentences and the whole thing comes to an awkward end. An empty tomb, a mysterious stranger, a puzzling announcement, and a trio of women running away overcome with fear. Now, now, what kind of an ending is that? I mean, talk about loose ends. Like, there's no reunion, there's no celebration, there's no the moral of the story is. Just they said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. It's such a strange ending that, that down through the centuries, the scribes came along and, and tried to fix the ending. They added some verses with stories and explanations that might brighten up the whole thing. 
Now, our Bibles include those verses because they're reliable accounts. They're verified by the other Gospels. But scholars agree those verses weren't written by Mark. Now, the word gospel means good news. Where's the good news in a missing person and a handful of women overcome with fear? Now, as you may have guessed by now, this wasn't our original text or theme for Easter Sunday. We had something a bit more upbeat in mind. But when this coronavirus hit and the world tumbled into lockdown, we realized we, we needed a message that would speak to this moment. And as we thought together about what people were experiencing these days, we pretty quickly landed on fear. We're afraid. We're afraid for our health. We're afraid for our jobs. We're afraid for, for our economy, for the country, for the world. Like, the, like these bewildered women, we, we, we've been overcome by fear. That word overcome has two meanings. The passive meaning of the word is to be consumed or overpowered by something, to be prevented from thinking or acting in usual ways. So what do you think? That does the shoe fit? I mean, here we are, hunkered down, shut up at home, afraid to go to the grocery store, holding our breath when we walk past someone. Last Saturday, I watched a basketball game from 10 years ago, and I don't even like basketball. We're hoarding toilet paper, for crying out loud, and now toothpaste, it seems. I think it's safe to say we're not thinking or acting in the usual ways. And we don't know how long it's going to end, do we? How long it's going to last, how it's going to end. What, what will the long-term impact be on our lives, our family, the, the country, the church, the world? Now, fortunately, there's another definition of this word overcome. The active meaning of the word is to succeed in dealing with a problem or difficulty, to prevail, to win. I like that definition a whole lot better. So how does this coronavirus story end? Will, will we be overcome by these fears? Or will we find a way to overcome them? And does the Easter story have any help or hope to offer us? Well, let's take a closer look at Mark 16 and the strange ending and see if we can find some hope and some help there. Back to verse 1. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? So Mark's ending begins with these, these three women coming out to the tomb to anoint Jesus' body on the third day after his death, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Now these women are part of a larger group of women who've been following Jesus for quite a while now. Not just following him, but, but serving along with him and actually helping to support him financially. Now, a couple of things we should point out here. First of all, 
these women weren't expecting a resurrection. Uh, skeptics and critics of the gospel will sometimes say that these resurrection stories were, were just made up by the church later on, that, that the, the disciples, the church, couldn't bear the thought that Jesus had died, so in their imagination, in their grief, they, they came up with these stories of resurrection as a way of keeping the story alive. I mean, the problem with that theory, one of the many problems with that theory, is that it never crossed the minds of these women that Jesus might rise from the dead, or any of the disciples for that matter thought that. I mean, they weren't coming to the tomb secretly hoping they might find him alive. They came expecting to find a body, a body that had already begun to decay and needed some anointing, some spices. The second thing we should notice about these women is that they weren't thinking clearly. I mean, they'd gotten their spices together to anoint the body, but they'd completely forgotten about the heavy stone that, that would be blocking the entrance to the tomb. Who would roll it away? But, but when they realized that, instead of going back and getting some help, which would have been a sensible thing to do, they'd continue on their way anyway. Remember that first definition of the word overcome? Not thinking or acting in a usual manner? These normally capable, resourceful women are clearly not thinking or acting in their usual manner. They have been overcome by fear. Well, let's keep reading. But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. I guess so. If there's anything scarier than visiting a fresh grave in the dim light of dawn, it's visiting a fresh grave in the dim light of dawn and finding it empty. <laughs> and not just empty, but actually occupied by what looks to be a ghost. I mean, these verses, it reads like the trailer of a low-budget horror movie. Mark actually uses four different words to describe the emotional state of these women. Alarmed, trembling, bewildered, and afraid. I think it's safe to say they were overcome with fear. Let's pause for a minute about a, and think about this fear thing. Fear isn't always a bad thing. I mean, fear is a natural, instinctive response to danger. Fear triggers that fight-or-flight instinct that that mobilizes us to, to, to respond to a threat. It releases hormones into our bodies. It takes over our senses. It prepares our minds and bodies for action, to fight or, or, or to run. You know how it works. You're lying in bed at night. Something goes bump in the night. What do you do? You either pull the blankets over your head, that's flight, or you grab a baseball bat and you head downstairs. That's fight. So a certain amount of fear in the face of a genuine threat, it's not a bad thing. And we, we have some good reasons to be afraid right now. We, we know what we're up against with this virus. 
And so there's a healthy fear that has us staying home and wearing masks and canceling weddings and, celebra- and, and graduations. My guess is that for many of us, this is probably the first Easter in our lives that we haven't been in church. Most of us won't even be seeing our families today because of fear, but it's a healthy fear. It's fear that's motivating our medical community to to mobilize like like never before, to to, to call for volunteers to risk their lives, to fast-track medications and, and vaccines. It's fear that's, that's motivating our leaders to, to take drastic action, to, to, to set aside partisan politics, mostly, to, to pump trillions of dollars into the economy. Fear can be a good thing. It can keep us alive. Well, when we're afraid, we, we, we marshal our resources, we, we, we take drastic action, we ask for help. But what happens when our resources aren't enough? When the actions we take aren't effective? When the people we turn to for help can't help us? That's when we become overcome by fear, consumed by it, overpowered by it. And chances are, we've all felt that way at times this past month. So how will this story end, this, this coronavirus story? Will, will, will we find a way through it? Will we overcome our fears or will we be overcome by them? Well, let's keep going here in Mark 16 and see if we can find some help. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter. He is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Don't be afraid, says the mysterious stranger. Now, if I'm one of those women, I'm thinking to myself, I don't know who you are, young man, but you better have a pretty good reason why I shouldn't be afraid right now. And turned out he did. Jesus is not here, he said. He has risen. Risen? Those women had, they had no context for understanding what that word might have meant. Judaism had only the vaguest notion of, of resurrection. And even then, it was always associated with with, with the end of the age, with the life to come. Is that what the messenger was saying? That that Jesus would live again in the age to come? No. It was way better than that. He's going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. See him? You mean he's alive here now on planet Earth? going ahead of you. you. You mean he's on the move again and he's inviting us to follow? Go tell his disciples and Peter. You, you know where the disciples were at this moment? They're hunkered down in the upper room. They were more afraid than these women were 
afraid to leave the house, afraid of the Jews, afraid of the Romans. They were afraid of their own shadows because they had failed miserably that week and none as miserably as Peter. But if Jesus was alive, if he wanted to see them again in Galilee where the whole thing began, well, then maybe they could be forgiven. Maybe they could begin again. This was the best news these women could possibly have heard. And it was the only news that would overcome their fears. Because if it was true, it meant that Jesus was still with them and that Jesus had won. You see, sometimes our, our fight and flight instincts aren't enough. Sometimes the thing we're afraid of is, is too strong. We, we can't beat it. We can't get away from it. And that's, that's why this virus is so scary. We've never seen it before. That's why it's called the novel coronavirus. We have no vaccines. We have no medications. No one has beaten this before. When that, when that happens, when, when our resources aren't enough, the only, there's only one thing that can help us overcome our fears in that moment, and that's the presence of someone stronger than we are stronger than whatever it is we're facing. We want someone who's, who's faced this thing before and beaten it. If the doctor tells you you have cancer, you're afraid, and with good reason. But if the doctor goes on to tell you that she's treated this cancer successfully many times over, you're less afraid. When you're lying in bed and something goes bump in the night, you feel afraid. If someone's lying next to you in bed, you feel a little less afraid. And if that someone happens to be a police officer packing heat, you're way less afraid. We can overcome fear when we have someone to turn to someone who's stronger than we are, someone who's stronger than whatever it is we're facing. And according to Mark 16, that someone is Jesus. You see, when Jesus rose from the grave, he conquered our greatest enemy, death. The thing that no one has beaten, the thing we're all afraid of. But he didn't just conquer death. He conquered everything that had happened to him. Betrayal, rejection, abandonment, abuse, violence, hypocrisy, injustice, and a lonely death. In the final chapters of Mark's gospel, Jesus suffers just about every bad thing that can happen to a person. And for a moment, for a couple of days, it looks as though those things have gotten the best of him. But on the third day, he conquered it all. He rose victorious. Uh, people these days are, are resonating with Andrew Cuomo. 
the, the tough-talking governor of New York. They love it when he talks about kicking coronaviruses you-know-what. I have to say you-know-what because we got kids listening, not to mention my mother. So. Well, on Easter Sunday, Jesus took every evil this world has to offer and kicked its you-know-what. And because he did, we don't have to be afraid anymore. At least we don't have to be overcome by fear anymore. We can face them. We can handle them. We can prevail over them because Jesus has faced them and won. He's overcome. Even death. Uh, This past Tuesday, Karen and I were out for a walk in some conservation land just trying to get out of the house and to change the scenery a little bit and we, we stumbled across an old cemetery, small cemetery that had some gravestones that, that were a couple of hundred years old. And one of them caught my eye. Captain Joseph Junkins, August 18th, 1856. And if you look closely, you could still read the inscription on the stone. It said, death Where is thy gloomy prison? Christ has burst the mossy door. I shall rise, for he has risen. Fear not, he is gone before. Fear not, he has gone before. And if we don't need to fear death, then we don't need to fear anything. Because Jesus has gone before us. He has faced every bad thing this world has to offer and has beaten it. And we can too through faith in him, by turning to him, by trusting him and following him to better days. I went out for a a quick run early this morning. Had my own little sunrise service, sort of, out by Fawn Lake in Bedford. But as I was running through the woods, uh, uh, some water had flooded the the trail at one point. All all the rain we've had the past few days. You, You couldn't get across it. But someone had gone before and laid a huge log across that water. So all I had to do was walk across and continue on my way. And that's what Jesus has done for us. He's gone before. He's laid down his life, making a way for us to follow, follow him to new and better days. So, so if that's all true, then why does Mark end the gospel the way he does? With these women running away from the tomb, bewildered and afraid, why does he leave the reader hanging, wondering what happens next? I mean, Mark knows what happens. He, he knows the end of the story. He knows the women eventually believe, and so do the disciples. He knows they find their way to Galilee where they meet Jesus, where all is forgiven, including Peter, that they follow him again and go on to change the world. He knows all of that. Mark knows the end of the story, but in a stroke of storytelling genius, he decides not to tell us. You know why? He wants us to write the end of the story. He wants us to decide what we will do with the Jesus story, with this remarkable news. Will we believe it 
and follow Jesus to new and better days? Or will we, will we be overcome by our fears, by our failures, and, and run away? We overcome fear through faith. Faith in someone stronger, stronger than we are, stronger than whatever it is we're facing. What will we do? What will you do with this story? Well, I've got one more thought to share with you to kind of wrap things up. But before we do, why don't we take a moment and hear from a couple of people who are, who are learning how to overcome fear with faith. This past week, one of our student ministry directors, Akasha Huja, sat down with, with Joyce. Joyce is a Grace, Grace Chapel student who, whose freshman year of college got interrupted by this virus. And Bob, Bob's a guy from Wilmington campus who, who actually has come down with the coronavirus along with some members of his family. Let's hear a little bit about what they're learning in this season, and then I'll come back and wrap things up. All right, well, Joyce, thanks for joining us. Uh, thank you for being here. I guess as just an opening question, how has the COVID-19 outbreak uh, impacted you and your life right now? Yeah, um, thanks so much for the opportunity to let me share. Um, I guess uh, for me, and I guess many of my peers as college students, it's been kind of weird just to, um, just to have the rest of the semester at home and sort of online. Um, I actually found out when I was um, sort of driving with my parents on the way home for spring break, we got the email that the rest of the semester was going to be online. And I think just at the time, um, a lot of us were like texting. And I think people um, in general were a little bummed that the rest of the semester wasn't going to happen like on campus, just those memories. But I think at the same time, Definitely there was like maybe some relief in the sense that like we were worried like all going back to campus after spring break just with all that traveling of the safety and stuff. Well, so you were a freshman and I'm sure that you were on campus with all your friends and now like life is totally different. So what does life look like now that you're at home? I've just been trying to like really intentionally use that time and in many ways um, sort of in a different aspect because the communities, the fellowships I'm a part of have like, I've really seen them strengthen and like God working through that. And I think like, um, for example, like um, my freshman class for my fellowship at college, we've like been doing weekly Zoom calls where we just like, um, sometimes we play games online or sometimes we like, um, we're, we want to do a bit more of like an intentional discussion, I think this week and like, um, like the Grace Chapel class, like of 2019 has also been like catching up, which has been so encouraging. And um, just like the, my high school class, like um, some people like started this group chat just for like the graduating seniors, just for people who are Christian. And like, we went to high school together, but we maybe didn't talk together. And like during our first Zoom call, someone acknowledged like, oh, like if it weren't for this situation, like this group chat might not have been created. And like, it just shows how powerful like um, like God is and like and I think in that sense like um, I've been really encouraged by just how um, people have been continuing to meet up and just like um, yeah just like how communities have really and fellowship has really strengthened during this time. 
how has faith in God kind of shifted or been impacted for you as you've navigated these times? Like one thing I think he's been telling me throughout this time is just like this willingness to say yes. Um, and I guess like another way I've been feeling this is like one night I, um, I was on like a Zoom call and we were just like sort of talking um, and just like how like our catching up about like how our faith has um, grown or like just how everything's been in college. And so I think like that night I was feeling a little stressed with like, oh, like schoolwork tomorrow, like 9 a.m., like class, things like that. But I, um, but we were eventually going to pray and I just, I really felt like God telling me like, oh, Joyce, like, you know, between like spending like 15 minutes on your phone before bed or like praying really intentionally with this, um, like together and then just like being efficient and going to bed, like, um, you know, like. I just really felt him like, you know, like pushing me and like there and um, we can continue to just really connect and like outreach and like um, just be bold and like sharing um, our faith and just the hope that we can only find through Christ. Finding God moving in the little things and saying yes to those, like whether it is doing a weekly Zoom call with your fellowship or whether it's like praying for 15 minutes instead of using your phone or like being bold in little ways, like sharing a verse. I think that is super cool, Joyce. Thank you so much for sharing uh, your story. Yeah. Thank you so much. Of course. Well, Bob, thanks so much for being available. Thanks for being here. I guess Mm -hmm. just first of all, who are you and how did COVID-19 impact you? Uh, well, my name is Bob Robio. I go to the Wilmington uh, uh, Chapel, and um, I got hit pretty kind of home with this whole COVID thing. I got diagnosed with COVID, uh, I think it was St. Patrick's Day. So basically to say going back, I'm probably sure I was infected before that. Uh, I myself was positive. Uh, my daughter, Rachel, Came back positive. Uh, she's a, she's a she is a not a nurse, but she is a apprentice nurse at, at Brigham. So I don't know if she got it there. I gave it to her. Who knows? And uh, you, you go crazy even trying to think about who gave what. Uh, and then I found out my other daughter has it. So basically, she doesn't live with us, but she has it too. She's in Reading. Uh, those three have it. I found out uh, that my. Uh, my sister came down with it real bad. She's in ICU, uh, was in ICU, I should say, th- thankfully. Um, and uh, I had three cousins, older cousins, that passed away from this a week before this. So to hit pretty home, yeah, it, it was hitting. It was hitting. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it's just crazy to to hear how so many people in your family um, and your cousins, and I'm glad your sister's out of the ICU, but I guess as as you processed being diagnosed with COVID-19 and as your daughters had it and as your sister was in the ICU, um, how did that feel? Like what thoughts were running through your head or um, were you really afraid in that moment or what was the response like? Uh, The response was, I was felt kind of helpless. And um, I guess that's where prayer comes in. I don't know. I'm no prayer warrior by any stretch of the imagination, but this is where, you know, when you feel helpless and you have faith, 
uh, the next thing you lean on is Christ. So basically, I did this for the first time. This is crazy. But I was at the kitchen table with my wife, who I'm sure I, you know, she was positive somewhere. She wasn't affected like we were. And my other daughter and I said, hey, you know, let's pray. You know, let's, we all put our hands together. And uh, it, was, it was touching. You know something's happening about prayer. You can't put your finger on it, but it's there. You feel helpless. And you, 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 it, it, again, there's definitely some conduit there. What, what I don't want to do, and I'm speaking for myself, is I want to stick with this, <laughs> meaning that I, I want to pray in a way to myself, to the Lord, that it's, it's uh, of gratitude, of gratitude. And I, what I don't want is when things, when this does blow over and things are kind of getting back to normal that people including myself in this for in the front line of this is don't lose it i mean i don't want to lose the appreciation of prayer out of the icu and in step down and uh and i know prayer worked man because she i don't <laughs> i don't think she was coming back that last weekend and telling uh, it worked it worked it really worked and i'm not saying it works for everybody i'm not saying how prayer works i'm not saying anything like that but I know there's something there. Um, mm-hmm. What has helped you keep your faith and keep your trust in God in like those hardest moments? Uh, well, I feel like we work in, he is uh, a 27, a 24 seven God because we're not available 24 seven, but he is. And to, to, to know that you, you can wake up in the middle of the night and, and, and talk to him. And it's, it, that's a good feeling. That's a good feeling. It's, it's like, uh, it's, it's a pretty powerful feeling, you know? But seriously, it really sounds like you've been gifted with a really phenomenally strong faith. And in talking to you, I've just been amazed at how all of these things happening, all these people getting sick, and yet, um, like, it, there was just such little fear coming from you because you were just so rooted in prayer. I think that's really, really special. Well, Bob, thank you so much for your time. This was really helpful. Yeah, and oh, I listen, a little plug-in for um, frontline people, hospitals, nurses, doctors, uh, people who support the hospital, uh, truck drivers who deliver stuff to Walmart, et cetera, et cetera, people doing shelving. Those are all unsung heroes that are all on the front line, and I, including you guys at Grace, because I know you guys are praying for us, including my sister, and I appreciate that. We're praying for you and for uh, your daughters who are nurses and, and everyone. Thank you so much for that, Bob. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Well, thanks, Joyce and Rob and, uh, and Akash for, for giving us a glimpse into what it looks like to learn how to live by faith even when we're afraid. Something we're all learning these days, and, and it's not easy. That's why I'm glad... Mark ends his gospel the way he does. He doesn't rush to a happy ending. He knows this is serious business. This is life and death we're talking about. He knows it was going to take time for these women to to come to believe and and, and to follow. It was going to take time for the disciples to, to overcome their failures and follow. It would take them time to get there. And it may take us time to get there as well. That's why all Mark asks us to do 
is take the next step. He leaves it up to us. Come and see, he says. Take a closer look. Go to Galilee and meet him there. So what does your next step look like? Maybe it's to name your fear or failure, whatever it is that's kind of overcoming you these days, and bring it to Jesus and ask him to help you with it. We're going to give you a a musical moment in just a minute to do that. Maybe your next step is is to go back and read the rest of Mark's gospel. Just read the whole thing. It's short, straight through. Get the whole Jesus story and then decide what you want to do with it. Maybe your next step is to to join us next Sunday. I'm pretty sure you got nothing on your calendar. Next Sunday, we're beginning a new series called What Now? What Now in light of all that's happening in our world? We're actually going to be going to some letters that were written by this man named Peter, who Jesus names here, as he reflects on the resurrection, what it meant for his life and what it means for our life. We'd love to have you join us. Maybe your next step is to, is to shoot me an email. Brian with a Y at grace.org. Maybe you have some questions about the things we've been talking about today. Maybe you're not sure what your next step ought to be. Maybe you just want to make a connection with a pastor. I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to connect with you. So please feel free to reach out to me. So it turns out not to be such a bad ending after all. Mark leaves the ending up to us. In the words of an old song, the rest is still unwritten. It's up to us to write our own ending to the Jesus story and to how this coronavirus story will impact our lives. Will we be overcome by our fears or will we overcome them through faith in someone stronger? Someone who's been there before Someone who's made the way safe for all who will trust and follow him. What will you do with the Jesus story? Why don't you bow and pray with me? Thank you, Lord, for meeting us here today with this great story. Thank you for the hope and the help we find when we turn to you. Thank you for the promise that you will be with us, that you will be for us and that you can see us through. We pray, Lord, that you might meet each person listening here today, whoever they are, wherever they are, that you might help each of us take our next step towards following you. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.